You are listening to The Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 185. The biggest thing, and I sort of alluded to this, is if you're going to hire a specialist, make sure they're willing and able to document their process with you so that the work they're doing for your company stays in your company. This is what I'm talking about, really thinking like a CEO, right? Would a CEO hire someone that was a specialist and then walked away with all the knowledge and everything that they ever did, right? So it's simple things like saving every image that they make for you for social media within your own documents, right? Mm -hmm any copy they're doing, doing it within your Google Drive documents, right? So adding them as an actual person in your G Suite, right? Right. Those kinds of things. And also, can they and are they willing to, because not all VAs will be willing to do this, but are they willing to share, create a process for your business that explains in detail what they're doing and that they're screen sharing like exactly how to do it Mm -hmm. so that anyone else could be able to pick that up and you're not like if that person quits you're not left like oh my gosh and i have no idea how they did that welcome to star coaches the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies tools and resources whatever your focus or niche take a front seat weekly as industry leaders decision makers and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching now join your host meg rinchler as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello, happy day. It is great to have you join us today. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, executive and mentor coach and coach educator. And I'm super pumped to continue to bring you some potentially new ideas to think about as you settle into being a business owner. Maybe you've been a business owner for a long time, and I still want to challenge you to think about your business in different creative ways. So a couple weeks ago, we had Ronan Leonard on the show to share about adding masterminds as a potential business offering in for your clients to take them to another level and for you to leverage your time and your energy. Last week, Lane Booth joined us to talk about A, how to start your business if you are still in a full-time job somewhere, so how to leverage that time and energy, plus how to be a responsible business owner in using data to drive your decisions and the importance of that and some of the how-tos of that. And this week, I'm going to introduce you to Mariana Ruiz, who is a certified business coach and consultant. She's an international best-selling author and the founder and CEO of the Impact Driven Entrepreneur. It's a company that's on a mission to transform coaches into thriving CEOs. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how to build a team for your business. Now, right there, hold on. If any of you are like, oh, I'm not ready to do that. I'm not going to listen to this episode or this episode's going to be beyond me. I would challenge you to hang in there and explore what we're going to talk about today. Mariana is going to challenge us to build a foundation 
right out of the gate of beginning to document our processes, to capture what it is that we do so that when we are in that place of bringing on our first team member or our 10th team member, we are able to do so in a way that helps our business thrive. Now, we are going to walk through so many different options and different things to think about that I guarantee you, you're going to walk away with some food for thought and maybe some actions to take that are going to help your business grow and thrive. I am really excited to be able to introduce you to Mariana and her teachings because I think they're going to challenge you to think differently about your business. So I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Let's go to my interview with Mariana Ruiz. Good morning, Mariana. Thank you so much for joining the Star Coach Show. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me, Meg. Absolutely. You bring a really special slant that is important for all of us to think about. You actually bring just a plethora of experience, but we had to get specific and come up with what we wanted to talk about out of all the things that you offer. And we are going to talk today about your mission to help coaches and consultants make a bigger difference in the world, how to bring their impact forward specifically about how each one of us is the CEO of our own business and how we can be more impactful and make better choices about that. But before we even go there, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your journey into your own business and just how you're kind of handling all the uproar that has impacted all of our businesses in the last couple months. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been, so I started my business back in 2015. And so I have the luxury of been doing this for a long time and having a good infrastructure in place and a good team in place. So I run a team of eight people and I'm just really leaning into them because as we talked about in, in previous meetings, we've had like, my kids are home and they're only four and five. So it is kind of chaotic at times here. <laughs> yeah, understandably. My kid is 22 and home from college and wishing he wasn't. And even that can be a little disruptive. So four and five-year-old, I can certainly understand. Although both of our meetings, they've been beautiful. They've allowed you to kind of have our space and congratulations for that because, you know. Yeah, I know. I'm very lucky. I really am. I'm very lucky. Yeah. So what was it that made you, that motivated you to have this mission to, to impact coaches and consultants so that they can create a bigger impact? Yeah. So I began, like I said, my business, well, this business for business coaching in 2015, after my daughter was born a preemie, she was only 28 weeks and oh, spent a significant several months in the ICU. And Uh, At that time, I was just trying to do everything myself. And I did what most coaches would think is like the dream, which is I filled my one-on-one practice. I had 15 clients. They were all fantastic. And I was burnt to a crisp because I had two kids under two, very, very part-time, you know, nanny and very, very part-time VA. 
And I realized as I was looking at the squares on my calendar, like there is just no space for all of the things that I want to do. And even for the clients that I was serving, I felt like I was just being pulled in so many directions and really getting to the point of burnout. And I thought, well, this isn't why I'm doing this, right? I'm doing this because I want to help more people. And if 15 is all I can really handle and sacrificing myself for that doesn't feel right. And so I started to look at how I could change the way I was doing things. And it started with really scaling with the service side. So doing group programs and really dialing in the offering as a service that was in a group setting. But then it also had to also evolve on the team side. I couldn't be the one doing all of the service anymore. I couldn't be the one doing all of the administrative work, for example, like downloading and uploading calls, like all of that. It was taking so much time away from what I could do best, which was to coach one-on-one or like in the group setting. or To actually be in interaction with the client instead of doing all the stuff in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. which is so needed. It's not like we can not do the stuff in the background, but at some point it becomes how do we more effectively leverage our time? Exactly. Yeah. Because I, and I was telling Mariana before, right before we got on, I was sort of juggling some things and looking at things and saying, I need to do things differently. Oh my gosh, that's exactly what my next interview is all about. <laughs> how timely. So I'm just thrilled to talk with you this morning. So when you begin to think about and help all of us, so we need to put our listening caps on to really get clear about the message you're bringing forward and how we can begin to think like a CEO of our business and have it be a thriving business instead of a business that just sucks our energy Because we want, I guarantee you, every single person who's listening wants to be the very best coach or consultant or who's, you know, we've got maybe some teachers who listen, some, but ultimately for the coaches, as, as we're thinking about how do we continue to partner with our clients effectively, but then leverage our business more effectively. What's the first thing you want us to begin to think about when we're thinking like a thriving, impactful CEO? Yeah. So the first is the idea that people grow businesses, not one person, but people. And (laughs) so there's a plural there. There's a plural there, right? (laughs) So if you want your business to grow, really leaning into that principle that people grow businesses, right? Apple would not be Apple if you know, like Steve Jobs was like, I got to do it all, right? Like (laughs) it would not be Apple that we have today. My dad is a computer programmer and he works for Nuance, which they created like Dragon Dictation software. And he said that when they went and showed the CEO, like the visionary, like the founder, right? The, The founder, their invention, he like completely broke down crying because it was so much bigger than how he had imagined it and so much more beautiful and was like the extension of his mission that he could never like actually conceptualize, like speak about it, right? And so that's what's possible when you lean into the team. They can create the genius that you can't even, like you have the vision, 
but you can't get to all the details of how that's going to play out and what it's going to look like until you really get people around you behind your mission. Wow. So when you're saying that, I'm sure that there's people saying, but I can't afford to hire a team of eight. And I'm sure back in 2015, you were in a place of thinking, I can't hire a team of eight. So what do we need to think about in that journey to getting to that place of people building and growing businesses? Okay, so the first thing is whatever you're doing, start documenting it, right? So even if you may not be able to hire someone today, right, have them start today, you can start thinking, okay, let me make sure I have an instruction manual for them today right? And starting today, start documenting. Now, it will take you a little more time Mm -hmm. to document while doing the task. But So at first, it's going to be a bigger investment of time to ultimately help you in the long run. It's sort of like, you know, you've got to, when raising children, it takes more time at first to help them understand how to do chores, to help them understand how to read and write, how to tie their own shoes, all the things that we help our children learn and grow. We might not write them manuals, but we are creating that that energy at the front end to help them be self, more self-sufficient as they grow and grow. I'm one of eight children, and I often say the amount of time that my mom put into helping each one of us become a responsible adult was huge at the beginning. But at the end, I mean, you know, it became, we were a well-functioning machine. We all did our chores and took care of things. That household that ran so smoothly, but it was because my mom put that time and energy in with each and every one of us to sort of train us to be Mm -hmm. really good soldiers in the family. And we've all grown to be responsible adults because of that. So I know that that's a bit of a like an extension, but it's this, you got to put the time in at the beginning to be able to reap the benefit of that. So the very first thing is about process and how are you documenting your process? Yeah. And I think for us, like we are just doing it. So we don't even think of things as, as part of the process. Like this just happened. I mean, this still happens today with me where I'm like, oh, it's just something I do. Oh, right. But that has to be added to the process. So I was, you know, we plan out our editorial calendar in a spreadsheet and then we move it over to these Asana tasks that automatically have everything that everyone needs to do and the deadlines, et cetera. So that's our process for, let's say, getting a podcast published, right? Mm -hmm. Now, it's been something that I just do, which is to duplicate those tasks in Asana and name them for whatever the episode will be so that it can like start the project. Well, I realized today I don't have anywhere that I document that I need to do that and like sit down and do that. And so one was coming up that wasn't ready or prepared and it was my fault because I didn't have the pre-step, right? So this is getting into really like a lot of the detail, but I want you to first just write out what is step one. Step one like is maybe plan out your content calendar. And in the beginning, it's going to be very rough steps where you may even have someone come in and they're like, I still don't get it. That's a good thing. Right. I always tell my team, my goal is for you to break every process I've made 
because if you break it, then I can find the problems and I can go fix it. And it's never about the person. It's always about the process. There was a breakdown in the process or how I explained it in this process. And that I want them to break things. I want them to mess up because then I can go fix the process. And the process, as you can see, when you do it this way, makes a way more valuable business because now everything is completely documented. Like literally, you could not be there tomorrow and it would all run as long as you found someone that could do those things. So if we are looking at the, con- the concept here and helping it become clear, each of us do several different things in our businesses. And, and if we're following your, your idea here, we want to kind of chunk down what we do and break ev- each of those chunks into what specifically do we do. Right. So for me, I have a podcast and I do mentoring and I do executive coaching. I mean, I teach. So each of those things has a different amount of output for me of the, the steps that I do to make that successful. Not the actual teaching, but all the things that lead up to the teaching, not the yes. specific being here with you right now on the podcast, but all the things that we had to do to get right here with you and me here on the podcast. Yes. And this is the stuff that people, like especially us entrepreneurs, we just do it, right? We just do it. And we're so used to doing it that we're like, there's no way, like how could we get it to where someone else could do it? And this is how you start with just a rough outline. Like first I did this, then I did that. And I'll be honest with you, I started all of mine just on Google Documents. It does not have to be complicated. You don't need special software. All you need is somewhere to write the steps. Okay. And that was going to be my next question. So yeah. you, you thought ahead of me there. So at, for even though there is software, like you talked about mm-hmm. Asana, and I know that there's lots of different kinds of, of software to help project planning and those kinds of things. At first, you're saying just whip out something to get it down and begin to get it out of your head and onto some kind of shareable document. Yes. We still do a lot of Google documents for our processes. So how I like to look at it is my Google document is my instruction manual, okay? And Asana is who is doing what when. So the instruction manual is going to have far more detail. In the beginning, it's going to be a very rough outline. Even still today, if we were to start a new process, it's going to be a very rough outline. As we're breaking it, we're going to need more detail. <laughs> okay, good. Right? And that's where the feedback becomes so important because as it gets broken, then it gets fine-tuned, it gets fixed, it gets tweaked, and mm-hmm. it becomes stronger. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Good. So what else should we be thinking about, about process, if anything? Right. So start documenting today. Just take the time and write down the steps of what you're doing today. And as you work through the different things you're doing, it will be easier for you because you're not running that mental checklist. Did I do this? Did I skip that? What happens about this thing, right? Oh, I still have to remember that, right? You can write it all down and then you free up your mental energy, which is fantastic. (laughs) So important. Yeah. How much stuff are we carrying around in our brains that drains? energy drains focus. Our heads are not an inbox. Our heads are not a filing drawer. I mean, in many ways, our, our memories are sort of kept like a file drawer. But, but in general, you're saying get it down so that you 
even if you don't have somebody on your team yet, you can use that document to help you be sure that all your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed. Exactly. Excellent. Okay. What next do we need to think about? Okay. So now I haven't really answered the question, what if I can't afford to hire someone, right? So you can't afford to hire someone if you don't have a process because they won't have anything to do or they'll be under-trained for the job that you're expecting them to do. Or even yet, another scenario is they have all the knowledge, your business has no knowledge. Now you're relying on them. And if they quit, you're in trouble, (laughs) okay? I only learned this through really painful, on the floor crying moments, okay? (laughs) So thank you for sharing your pain with us so that we can learn from you. (laughs) Right, so let's say now, okay, now you've documented it. You have at least a very rough outline. What you want to do, if you are a coach, you can start with asking yourself, okay, what is a skill that I could train someone else on? And you can actually bring on interns to help you and support you in your business. And we do this, we've been doing this for years now. We have intern programs. And so the interns will come in and they'll learn something that I'm already very good at. So uh, I'll be honest with you, my thing is mostly marketing, right? So I'll bring in marketing interns, social media interns, that kind of thing. Copywriters, I have three copywriters right now. So three copywriting interns. So those people are training underneath me all of the copywriting principles, all of the principles of marketing and things. And it's, I mean, it does require more of your time. It's the same kind of thing. It's going to require more of your time, but they are going to be able to, one, learn from you. That Mm -hmm. is such a beautiful other impactful thing we can do, right? Yes. Yeah. And they help you to take some of the workload off of you. So that workload of, let's say, writing the blog post, they could get most of the blog posts written for you and then you're just refining it, let's say. And so that's going to help you to be able to go focus on, say, sales activities or something else. So starting with that free, you know, like intern where you're exchanging, almost like you're exchanging your knowledge and what you know for somebody's hours and help like with your business. Now, look at your, you know, speak to a lawyer before doing anything like this. Mm -hmm. There is an app that we like to recommend people to. It's called Genem. I'm not affiliated in any way with them. Genem? Gen M. So like generation M. M. Okay. Thank you. Okay. And in that app, you can connect with marketing interns all around the world. And don't dismiss that somebody is out of the US. I have one copywriter who is in the Philippines, another who is in, he's not a copywriter, but he's a social media intern and he's in Sweden. And so don't mistake that don't make the mistake of thinking, well, just because the English is not their first language that they won't be able to be good at it. The Filipino VA is the best copywriter I've ever trained besides having a professional copywriter so far. So that's a really a testament to the fact that it is not absolutely not necessary that English be their second language even or first language, language. even if they're doing copywriting, which is, of course, like where your voice is, right? Right. So beware of your assumptions. And when somebody is virtual, they're virtual. I mean, you're, you're not. So Mariana, you're not saying that everybody that works with you works 
in your living room with you. I mean, they're no, in their own places. Had, but no, <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're in their own homes, thankfully. <laughs> so when you talk about, I just wanted to, you said exchanging that you're training and teaching these people to be better at their skill in exchange for their work. However, are they also employed? I mean, are you also exchanging dollars for hours with them? Okay, so it depends. In Gen M, you don't have to do that. And the internships are shorter. Now, there's internships we've hosted like locally where, yeah, it's their job. There are some with local schools where you do it for credits for their university. Okay. So you have to talk to their preceptor and there's a little bit of work involved with that, like making sure that they're meeting the preceptor's expectations and whatever Mm -hmm. is required for them for school. But again, it's so minute compared to the benefit of not only training someone, and I'll I'll go, go into that in a minute, but you're training them, you're teaching them, you're helping them, you're tutoring them and mentoring them. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you're also getting some of the workload off of your off of your belt. Now most of these interns can work for like 15 hours a week or so. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine, I mean you could get someone who's in there helping you for 15 hours a week and you're mentoring and coaching. I meet with with my entire team every morning for like a 30 minute meeting and that mm-hmm. like kind of structures their day. Where are they going? What are they going to do? What are they going to focus on? But basically that can help them to advance in their career. And some of those interns will become your employees. So that's where it really becomes a win-win. Some of them love it. And that's exactly what they've been waiting for is some sort of place that they could work that they love. And the beauty of that is you've already spent time training them grooming them, teaching them. They the know your business. They know your point. business. They know yeah. your business. They're confident because they've been doing it. And and you're right. I mean, that's really sort of ideal for college students to get hired on by wherever they've done their internship. So it is a win-win. And so your advice for that is to get clear about the kind of skill that you're wanting. So if if it's helping with a blog, it would be a copywriter. If it's helping Mm -hmm. with your social media, it would be a social media intern. If it's helping, I mean, I can imagine that even some brand new coaches might want to work with with an experienced coach. A hundred percent, right? So that's where, as I said it, and I kind of glossed over it at the beginning, you want to think about what is the skill or asset that you most bring. You don't want, if you're still trying to figure out social media, don't hire a social media intern, right? That's not going to work out. What you want to be clear on is what is the thing that you're already getting good results in, that you're already doing well in, that you could train someone to do. Now, I'm not saying your absolute zone of genius, because that's a, a different thing. But for like, I have helped clients who are, let's say, like accountants or bookkeepers, and they are bringing in bookkeeping interns that then become their employees and the people that are doing the bookkeeping for them. I have a a coach that works underneath me, and she started as actually a client, so she actually went through my whole program. So, but anyways, for <laughs> then that- she knew your program. Right. She knew my program, exactly. So, of course, she can coach on it, right? So- I'm not saying you have to do 
like the zone of genius thing, right? If you if you want to do someone, uh, bring on an intern that is a coach, a hundred percent. But just make sure like that it's going to be a valuable internship for them that you have enough to teach them, and right. it's not going to be the blind leading the blind because that would be an unfortunate case for them. But then also for you, you're not really going to know if they're doing it right. And then that could affect your business in a negative way. So key points there are start with the process, get really clear about the process. Is it a process that you can teach that you're confident in, that you can give value to somebody else by teaching them that process and help them continue to grow and learn in their field of expertise? Mm -hmm. Yep. So good. So if if we're, let's say, we're wanting to maybe learn from somebody, like maybe we don't know, and so we might be looking for somebody who's a specialist in a, a particular virtual assistant, let's say, mm-hmm. specialty. What feedback might you have for us about what to think about in expanding our team with a paid virtual assistant? Yeah, I think the biggest thing and I sort of alluded to this, is if you're going to hire a specialist, make sure they're willing and able to document their process with you so that the work they're doing for your company stays in your company. This is what I'm talking about, really thinking like a CEO, right? Would a CEO hire someone that was a specialist and then walked away with all the knowledge and everything that they ever did, right? So it's simple things like saving every image that they make for you for social media within your own documents, right? Any copy they're doing, doing it within your Google Drive documents, right? So adding them as an actual person in your G Suite, right? Right. Those kinds of things. And also, can they and are they willing to, because not all VAs will be willing to do this, but are they willing to share, create a process for your business that explains in detail what they're doing and that they're screen sharing like exactly how to do it so mm-hmm. that anyone else could be able to pick that up and you're not like if that person quits you're not left like oh my gosh and i have no idea how they did that and i've right. helped i've coached so many clients like they will delegate a very technical task like let's say it's infusionsoft or entreport or something like that and then that person leaves and they have no idea like they can't send an email to their list And so to prevent that, you want to make sure internal documents are all documented, all images or all assets, I call them assets that they're creating, are done within your company. Oh, that is really important. And so I can imagine that if you're in a place of interviewing to bring on somebody to your team, that would be one of the questions that you would ask. This is an expectation for my company and will you be willing to do X, Y, and Z? Mm -hmm. Yep. Any other questions that you think are particularly important in the interview process when you're considering bringing on a team member? And let's kind of just consider like if this is a very first team member that you ever bring in. Yeah. I do ask them for references. Uh Uh-huh. And all of the references, I actually ask them like, hey, if I, you know, let's say I'm starting a brand new business and this is going to be my first or second hire or whatever Mm -hmm. number it is, right? For the business. Do you think this person can handle that, right? Like how do you think this person will perform in that environment? 
right? And and with that much pressure or it's important, right? Obviously their role is very important in those first few hires. So I literally ask their references that. So big red flag if they're not willing to give you references. And then if the references are either too nice, like too nice of a reference is actually not a good thing, right? Where they're like, yeah, she's great. You're kind of like, uh, <laughs> right? We all have hiccups. Can you right. share a hiccup? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and then really like it, taking some time with that reference to interview them. And that has been a game changer for me in finding much better people. So that is w- what I would ask them for during that interview process. I also have like a two-stage interview process. So the first we're like really assessing like, okay, are we going to be a cultural fit? Mm-hmm. Is this person, like it's, I call it a screening interview. So you're asking like, give me an example of a time that you went above and beyond, right? How might you, and what I'm looking for is someone who's going to meet our cultural values. So I've really already taken the time to look at what I care about. So I care about work being done fast, efficient. I'm not ever going to say I'm too good for a job, right? Like even I worked in corporate, I was asked to be the director of three hospitals. Okay. And I will tell you, I was always the first at a code. Like I am not ever going to say I'm too good for anything. I will always get my hands dirty and do all of the work that needs to be done. And so I don't want anyone like that on my team and I have anyone who's too good to do anything. Right. Like thinking like, no, 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 I'm this role. So that's not my job. Right. Right. Or anything like that. I really, that does not work well for me. (laughs) Right. But what's important there, well, there's lots important there, but the piece of you had to get really clear about what are your values and what is going to be important for you so that you have a measuring stick to use. If we're not, and so it comes back to that clarity piece again, I'm always telling my clients, Mm -hmm. it starts with clarity. If you're not clear about who you are, what you provide, and in this situation, what do you value in your business and the way that you want your employees to show up, then you're not going to know what the heck you're asking about. Exactly, exactly. And so you don't have to copy mine, right? It's about getting clarity on yours. Right. Right? Yeah. So we, we need to get clear and we want to ask questions through that screening interview to see, is it a chemistry fit? Is it a mm-hmm. cultural fit? And then when you decide to interview somebody the second time, what kinds of things are important for you to learn in that interview? There, I'm really looking at work ethic, how they've worked before. I'll ask them a lot of scenario questions, like give me a time that you made a mistake. What was the mistake? How did you rectify it? Right? What did you learn? Mm -hmm. How did you do things differently? Those kinds of things. I will also like even early on share some of the biggest mistakes I made like that, you know, in my healthcare stuff to tell them like, there's nothing that you could ever do that's going to like be life or death situation. First of all, that's a good thing. And also like, I really value open communication. So I show that and I model that a lot. I model that open communication, right? And you can see it even in the structure. We have a daily meeting, right? Mm-hmm. I value that open communication. If from one day to the next, I still don't know and I'm still talking to you every day, right? Like <laughs> we have a problem. So I've really set it up to even like 
the way the structure is of the team and the way we're meeting and everything all matches the values. So you don't have to have a daily meeting. What do you value? Do you value, and and I have helped people who they're like, I just need a a weekly meeting. I'm fine Mm -hmm. with a weekly meeting. I'm, and throughout the week we can, you know, communicate through text. I value my ability to not have a meeting every day. (laughs) I I value everybody's autonomy and that they're getting things done and that we're touching base once a week because we are all different and we operate differently, but it comes back to how clear are you about what you need? And it might very well be that at first you think you need a daily meeting and then you decide, no, I'm more of a weekly meeting kind of person. But Mm -hmm. through that process, how are you communicating and how are things what's the result of that, I guess, would be really important measuring. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'm, I'm in this place right now, you're giving such good information. And I'm trying to think like the audience might be thinking, and wondering, you've talked about interns, you've talked about maybe bringing on a VA, if you were just starting, and you were you know, everybody is now documenting their processes. So you've got these documented processes. If you were to think about a very first hire, Mm -hmm. what would you think about like with these different options that you're giving, where would you begin? Okay. So it depends on how much money you're making, right? Uh If you, if you literally cannot afford to hire, then start with an intern. Okay. If your dollars are not adding up, And uh, we, generally speaking, use Profit First. So I would recommend everyone go check that book out, Profit First. And it tells you how much you can afford or not afford to hire and what that budget might look like. So I would look at that and I would say, okay, if you can't, literally, there's, it's not there. It's not in the dollars. I would Mm -hmm. look at intern first. Intern in whatever you feel proficient at. And through that, it's not only that, okay? So making sure that that intern is the best cultural fit. So that means don't just accept any intern that you interview, but really find someone who's going to be a cultural fit and who's going to be like really a type A high achiever. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking perfectionist. I'm talking more like they will get stuff done. Yeah. Motivated, driven. Not that they have every answer, but that they want to learn every answer and be a part of your team. Yep. Good, exactly. good. So then you've, you've got maybe, you know, an intern or you've got whoever you've got on your team. We've got to figure out how do we direct and manage those people. So we talked a little bit about, you know, timing of meetings. But in general, as a leader, as a CEO of our business, what tips do you have for being able to really sort of, what's the word I'm looking for, constructively or appropriately sort of directing and managing people? Yeah, that part is where, I mean, now some of my clients are still doing this on Google Documents and it's working fine, right? It also depends on that person, who you've chosen to bring on. Now, you can do, also I want to say, Everything I said about the intern, if you're getting your first VA, that still applies, right? Fits mm-hmm. in the culture and that also that they're a type A high achiever. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I just right. want to yeah, be that's clear not on just that. for the interns. In <laughs> right, general, those everyone. are the kinds of people we want on our teams first, right? So you have a, t- a type A high achiever who's going to perform for you, right? They're going to want to get things done. So that's a wonderful thing. Now you're ready to start giving them some tasks. Now, how you go about managing and hiring, like, so the first thing I do, they come in, 
they'll get a general orientation. This is our business. This is what we sell. This is the price point. This is how we sell it, right? So you can see how important clarity is here, right? Because right. if you're starting, you may not be 100% clear on all of this, right? And if you're not clear, they're not clear. And mm-hmm. I just want to clarify there, when you say come in, this could be a virtual meeting that you're having with somebody. Exactly. Yeah. When I say come in, I just mean like they start day one. It's right. day one. You're on Zoom. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's day one. And here we are across the world from one another, but we're speaking. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so you're going to start with that general orientation, okay? Then once they do that, you want to give them that process you just made. And then that's where they start to break it. And that's a beautiful thing, okay? They're going to start to break the process. And that is where the training actually comes in. That's when you can finally train them. And you can say, okay, well, this was good. This was good. This was not exactly what I wanted. Let me look back at my process. Where did I skip a step? Where was I not clear, et cetera? And then if that, you know, if they still continue to break it, even though you've gone through it several times, you want to shadow them. So you want to say, go do the process. I'm going to see how you're doing it. I want to see if there's anything about how you're doing it that is either not correct or that I need to change something or anything like that. And then as they're doing it and you're shadowing them, it's just like if you were to go to a job, right? You would get the training, you would watch someone doing it, and then you would be asked to do it and show your competency. So that's exactly the process is three three steps. Good. So I'm sure that people are thinking, wow, I don't know that I have the time to do all that. And once again, it comes back to putting the investment of time and energy at the beginning to create the kind of team and people that are going to be taking things off your plate in the long run and taking them off in a way that you can be proud that they're representing your business versus having to clean up after the fact. Mm -hmm. Like if you get it done correctly at the front end, you can be proud of the work that they do. It's going to represent who you are and you're not going to be cleaning up the mess later. Yeah. And I think that brings up an important point, right? Like this part does take time and it's not, um, it's not at a hundred percent that they're performing the first week they come on. So really looking at your launch calendars and saying like, okay, I'm not going to be launching in, you know, in this week, right? So this would be a good time for me to bring someone on and start getting them ready and making that map in coordination with the other big projects in your business so that you're not overwhelmed. Um, it can be very tempting to say, well, I, I can bring these people on and a month later they'll be performing. But you also want to take into account worst case scenario of their learning curve. And I will also say some tasks they'll pick up and it'll be like, they're off your plate. So that it frees up the other tasks, right? The ones that they're still struggling with that they need more coaching on. Such good information. I'm, I'm really hoping it's expanding the options for those of you who are listening and giving you food for thought about maybe there are other ways to operate more efficiently and more effectively so that you can do your genius work. Even though, yes, you're saying bring on somebody in the task that you're most per- proficient in so that you can help them learn those processes. And that's still allowing you to do your true genius work. Because as you're talking about, 
it's not like we're asking people to go in and do our coaching for us or to do our the prime thing that we do. It's all those things that are around that that we want to help people learn our processes, correct? A hundred percent, yep. Good. Anything else that we need to be thinking about? I mean, I'm sure there's hundreds of things and, and we would be great if we had time to go over all of them, but any key elements that you want to be sure that we cover as we explore this aspect of being thinking and being like a thriving, impactful, not like one, that we are being a, a, a thriving and impactful CEO. Yeah. The last thing that I want to say is your brain management is so important here, right? So your own internal coaching, getting the coaching from a coach or and doing your own self-coaching because when you have a team, you can you can see how multiple times I've said it's never about the person. It's always about the process, right? And one of the things that can happen when you're expecting the out- output is you, I mean, it's just the human instinct. Like we blame the person. We make it about the person. Yes. Yeah. And never do that, right? So we want to really be on top of our own brain management that it's never the person. It's always the process. Now, could it be that the person is in the wrong role for them? A hundred percent, right? But that's still a process issue because it's where they fit that cogwheel fits in your system, right? Mm-hmm. Could they be the wrong person for the wrong job? A hundred percent, right? But still, that's not a blame of them. And so it's really being able to take the time to sort through all of the ways that your brain is thinking about the problems you're coming up with as they're breaking the processes and giving yourself the time and space to problem solve through it, not to point fingers, not to blame. And and I think like it's easier said than done, but as soon as we blame the person, then we can't build and grow the asset of our business that I'm talking about, right? Because then it's on them and not on us. Well, and if, if we're not owning it, where we're not, you know, the locus of control needs to be in you as the CEO because it's your company and you just might need to be making different decisions or doing different things. But ultimately, how are you owning the process? So good. So important. Thank you so much for taking time in your morning to educate us about how we want to take the reins of our business and that we have more options than we might think that we do. I know that this just kind of opened up minds and, and I'm really excited that you brought it forward. Thank you. You're welcome. So there we have another entrepreneur who is coming forward to share how we can be successful in our businesses. And I just want to thank Mariana again for joining the show. If you'd like to know more about Mariana and the Impact Driven Entrepreneur, go to starcoachshow.com. Episode 185 show notes are going to have the links to the book that she talked about and her business and ways to be in touch with her. Now, I want you to come back next week as we continue to look at some of those bits and pieces that make a profitable, successful business. And one of those is, what's the content that we're putting out? And how might we need to potentially learn more about really 
solid content. We're joined next week by Megan Ketchikan. She is a copywriter and she is going to help us understand copywriting for our business. She brings some great tips forward. So come back next week for that. I want to thank all of you who are joining me on Wednesday mornings for Wednesday's Wisdom on the Star Coach Show page on Facebook at 9 a.m. Central. Every Wednesday morning, we get together to talk about something coaching and then to answer your questions. So please join us if you'd like. The Star Coach Show page on Facebook, 9 a.m. Wednesday mornings for Wednesday's Wisdom. If you're enjoying the show, I would love a rate and review on Apple Podcasts so that we can continue to grow the audience and bring more coaches into our fold so that they can thrive and prosper as well. Until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Be well, stay safe, and take care of one another.